days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. There's some things you can count on. Death, taxes, and ant talking 49ers football. Welcome everyone to the show. I'm looking forward to getting into uh, some new topics. There's some some clips from Kyle Shanahan that I would like to present to you because I thought the not only were the reporters doing a very good job of asking questions that got very good responses, but I felt like Kyle Shanahan kind of gave some responses to answer some of the question questions, maybe left a couple open too, but we're going to get into all that. This episode, Rip It, Scars, and Ray Ray. We're going to be talking about all of it during this episode. And the 49ers have been working through their schedule. With it being a Saturday game, the 49ers schedule began on Tuesday. Most of the time during the normal regular season, Tuesday is an off day for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but they went ahead and they had a Tuesday practice and a Wednesday practice. And Kyle Shanahan spoke to the media after that practice. But the 49ers have one more official, you know, full practice this week. That is Thursday, so tomorrow. And they'll be practicing at 1025. And run game coordinator Chris Furster is going to be talking to the media. So that's always interesting. We usually get some interesting sound bites. And with everything that happened in the game Against the Raiders, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions about the 49ers offensive line, and hopefully we'll get a lot of answers, and you guys can come right back here to 49ers Cutback and get those answers. But I guarantee I will take a deep dive into Chris Furster's uh, conversation, plus uh, some good things that I got. I want to talk a little safety later on this week as well, and of course a game preview show. So plenty of content will be coming your way. If this is your first time on the channel, like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're listening on audio platform, which a lot of you have been recently, thank you so much. Five-star rating would go a long way in helping the podcast continue to grow. So thank you guys so much. So Friday will be the walkthrough. Of course, no media available for that. And then Saturday, they're going to be playing the Denver Broncos at Levi Stadium with a 5.30 start time. So now that we're kind of caught up on what the 49ers are doing during the week, I want to get into some of this conversation you know, that has been going around because the national media has been doing their thing with Trey, and I'm trying to stay as much out of it as I can. Of course, on Twitter, I said, hey, it's it's getting a little too much now. If you want to go ahead and you want to – critique his play i'm okay with that uh, but some people are just taking it too far and it's it it's just going over the top now and this is what happens when they see that something's getting attention or something is getting clicks and views they just go over the top with it now you're just getting one-liners and crazy takes and, and let's just ignore all of that bs and let's just talk about actual football play and yes, the quarterbacks have to be talked about from time to time. I'm not going to get into the Trey versus Brock, but I am going to get into some of the way the 49ers handle practice. So this is Brian Greasy uh, and Kubiak and Kyle Shannon and how they're evaluating quarterbacks because I thought that Kyle really gave us a good idea of his thoughts on Brock Purdy's 
uh, mentality at practice. The fact that he's thrown 10 interceptions, that's right. He threw uh, two more interceptions in practice, which has a lot of people concerned. And I've heard some, you know, saying, hey, don't worry about it. You know, he did the same exact thing last year. But I do think that Kyle Shanahan is going to shed some light onto what he expects from his quarterbacks and their mentality at practice and how that's supposed to carry in. So that's why I thought these quotes were really fantastic. And uh, that's the part of the rip it part. Let's listen to what Kyle Shanahan says about Brock Purdy's mentality at practice and what he thinks about Brock Purdy's mentality at practice. Um, I mean, you never want interceptions um, in any situation. Um, you know, I don't, there's never one answer. Each one's different. Um, but I, when you're, you're getting, I, I definitely like having interceptions a lot more in practice than in games. And um, one thing Brock does is he lets it rip. Uh, he's not worried about anything else. Um, especially not worried about people counting his interceptions, you know, at practice and stuff. And that doesn't mean they're all right. Um, but I do like him letting it rip. And I like him learning from things that he can't get away with, things he can get away with. And I think our defense got their hands on a lot of balls, not just Brock's. But um, I definitely want our quarterbacks to cut down on them. But I also want them to make real throws and when they make mistakes to learn from them. Kyle Shanahan, you know, he wants these guys to be aggressive. And throughout my time really, you know, focusing in and covering the 49ers over the last few years, I've heard many occasions to where Kyle Shanahan has instructed quarterbacks to be hyper aggressive to see what they can get away with. And at this point, like he said about Brock Purdy, letting it rip. Uh, he doesn't care. He's not counting how many interceptions he has. He doesn't count if, care if anyone else counts them either. And that was something that I remember hearing about Jimmy Garoppolo was Kyle Shanahan was really telling him, hey, find out what you can get away with. Find out what your limitations are so that way you know when you get into the football game what you can do. And I remember one offseason in particular, 40 yards coming to training camp and, and throws for Jimmy Garoppolo are high and outside and high and outside. And media members are like, hey, are you worried about the accuracy of Jimmy Garoppolo? He's throwing everything high and outside. And Kyle wasn't concerned about it. And the reason he wasn't is because Jimmy Garoppolo later confirmed in one of his press conferences that he was instructed to get the ball high and outside so that it was a ball that was tough to intercept, but also protected the wide receiver. So sometimes you just don't have full context when you're watching these guys go through and execute their plays. A lot of times, too, you'll get scrambled drills, you'll get hustled, and maybe you would normally eat the ball if it was a real game situation. If this was the regular season, you might eat it. We saw Brock Purdy throw the ball away a bunch of times last year, and those are the types of things you'll do. But in in practice situations, there's no real you know problem with you going ahead and seeing if you can make that throw. If you can squeeze the ball to one of the tight ends past Talano Ufonga, you couldn't. It's a pick six. And ultimately, that's not what you want, but it's practice. Make your mistakes in practice so you can execute in the games. And I think that's one of the things Kyle Shade is saying it here. But I think Kyle likes that mentality of just going out there and executing the play. You see the first read, boom, rip it. You know, you see a, a big play developing down the field, boom, rip it. Uh, that is exactly what he's looking for. Not really looking for somebody that's, you know, going to uh, wait his turn, be patient. He wants you to go out there and be aggressive and execute, you know, his offensive scheme. And the question marks, you know, about that are a little bit more, right? What, what causes the player to hesitate? That's something that people have been asking me, 
you know, and, and Kyle Shanahan had a little bit of a response on scars and how those things can affect a quarterback and how the coaching staff goes about coaching those things up. So I thought this was real interesting what Kyle Shanahan had to say. Um, I try to coach him the same, um, but you also are always responsible for that ball. And so there's sometimes in games that you see something, you hesitate a little bit because of some scar you might have had in practice or something from letting it go, and you don't let it rip because you did that in practice. And, and then we watch the tape after, and we try to learn if that was real or not or if that was just a scar from practice. Um, those things happen. You try to coach it the exact same, but um, where you learn is practice. And then you get to the games, and you never tell someone to change. You want to be aggressive in everything you do. Um, but now if those, we get those three picks, it's going to be extremely hard for us to win. Scars from practice, you know, scars from other situations can make you hesitate. And I think that's something that, you know, maybe we saw a little bit from Trey Lance in the football game. Uh, this is something that I kind of thought was he was really feeling a lot of the pressure from the situation. He hadn't played, you know, in nearly 12 months. And it was a, he was going out there on a big stage and he knew everyone was going to be watching every single thing he did on the field. Now, what I'm hoping is that he's going to learn from that experience and he's going to do what Kyle Shanahan was saying about Brock Purdy and just let it rip. If you've been on the channel, you heard me say that about Trey Lance on a couple of his throws. Hey, just let it rip. And that first play of the game, he should have let it rip high and outside the way that they teach it in San Francisco. And on third down, he should have let it rip to Ross Dwelly, who was sitting down in his zone. But those things are to be expected from a young quarterback that is still developing. He did a lot of work during the offseason working with Jeff Christensen to get better on his technique. His technique overall is held up as the bullets have started to fly. So I've had no real problems with the technique of Trey Lance. I thought this was the first time that I've seen him during the offseason where he looked hesitant and unable to consistently make the throw he needs to make. He normally was ripping those footballs at practice. So did something happen at practice that was causing him to do that? Or was he just a little bit nervous? And I like the way Kyle Shanahan talked about that is, hey, if you see that you see these guys making mistakes at practice, they get into a game and they do the same thing, then your coaching staff knows how to approach it and coach it up. So I, I overall, I like Kyle Shanahan's thinking about pushing these guys at practice and getting them to understand what their expectations are so that way they can continue to develop as a quarterback. Now, there are times you don't want to be a gunslinger and you want to be able to control the football. And don't get me wrong, Kyle Shanahan doesn't want these guys, you know, throwing three interceptions and putting their team in a bad situation. But he wants them to go out there and play free and let things happen, right? He wants them to operate within the offense, but he also wants them to take bold uh, plays and bold moves because he knows playing NFL quarterback is not all about the safest throw. Sometimes it's about letting it go and trusting your abilities to get the ball into your playmaker's hands. And I think Kyle's been looking for that. It's not like Kirk Cousins never threw interceptions playing for Kyle Shanahan. It's not like Matt Ryan never threw interceptions playing for Kyle Shanahan, but they're willing to rip it and live with the consequences. And I think right now that's what Kyle Shanahan is saying that Brock Purdy's doing and at some point, Brock's going to have to start taking care of the ball. Practice doesn't have to be the time. As long as when he gets into week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he makes sure that his turnover rate is a lot closer to what it was last season in the regular season, where it was 1.7. 1.7 turnovers. Keep it, you know, you want to keep it less than one turnover, you know, per game. You want a definite two to one touchdown to interception ratio. 
I think everyone would be happy if Brock Purdy was able to do that. But I thought this was very interesting coming from Kyle Shanahan talking about the let it rip mentality compared to the scars mentality where sometimes those mistakes, if you let them hang with you, uh, can cause you to be hesitant and then miss on some of those throws you could have made. And then we always talk about it being quicksand and you, you make a mistake. And next thing you know, you're trying so hard to not make another mistake that you end up digging yourself a bigger hole and you eventually you're sucked underneath. So what you have to do is ignore Ignore the mistakes that you make. Move forward. You can't do anything about that mistake. Live to fight another day. You made a mistake. You learn from it. You move on, and you try to stack good reps. And I think that's what Kyle's saying here. Now, Kyle was making it clear also what was going to happen with this game uh, against the Denver Broncos on Saturday as far as quarterbacks. He lays it out right here about if we're going to see Brock Purdy, not sure, but he lays it out about Sam Darnold and Trey Lance pretty well. Um, not set in stone. I mean, what, we, what I said last week, we wanted Trey to get the majority of the first half, so Sam could get the next week. So we, that's what we're planning on, but we'll see how the next two practices go before we decide for sure. So once Kyle Shanahan decides on Brock Purdy, then we're going to know how much of the first half Sam Darnold's going to play. It could be that he starts the first half and he plays the entire first half the way Trey Lance did uh, in the first game against the Raiders. Or it could be that Brock Purdy plays a couple series, then Darnold takes over, which could mean Darnold plays the first series of the third quarter, then Trey takes over, and then you get Brandon Allen. Now, Brandon Allen has been... Uh, missing a couple days of practice this week. He missed Tuesday and Wednesday because his wife had a child on Tuesday. So he's been excused, but now he's back in the building as of tonight. And he will be practicing and then playing in the game on Saturday. So uh, the 49ers quarterback room, I think, is pretty clear right now. They they had a, a decisive plan that they were going with. Trey working with the twos against the Raiders. Now Sam Darnold working with the twos against the Broncos. And they're letting this be an equal shakedown. And when uh, Kyle Shanahan was asked about it, he said that it was a competition. He did not give, oh, Sam Darnold's leading or, oh, Trey Lance is leading. He just said clear and to the point, they're in a competition. We'll see what happens. So I think it's it's overall the quarterback position is kind of heading in the right direction. I don't think decisions have been made. And I think everyone's optimistic that Trey's going to have a good performance against Denver, that Sam Darnold's going to continue to what he did and build upon what he did, and that you know Brock Purdy's going to be able to fix all these things that are going on. Now, one of the things that goes on in practice that I, I'm sure you guys have really started her hearing as the stats have been being put out there from training camp is about the sacks, right? How these sacks that the quarterbacks are taking and also times as they're like, hey, you know, that pass wouldn't even have been thrown. That wouldn't even have been a touchdown because Brock Purdy or Trey Lance or Sam Darnold was sacked. And a lot of times, you know, guys like me come on here and they tell you, well, at practice, you tell your defensive players, you just go ahead and run right by the quarterback. We know you would have got a sack, but we don't want you to affect the play because we want the offense to get the work. So what you want is you, you of course, note it. It would have been a sack. You noted that, hey, this offensive lineman got beat or this running back didn't help in protection. And, of course, you're going to go back and fix it. But what it allows you to do is get an idea of how the quarterback's going to handle pressure, but also what happens down the field. So that way wide receivers, running backs, linebackers, tight ends, safeties can all get work on the play as well, not just the defensive front. If you stopped every play for a sack, you would lose 10 to 12 plays 
probably a practice where you could get work for everybody else. But in this case, you get good film up front and in the back, and you can still reward that defensive lineman for getting pressure. But listen to what Kyle Shannon has to say about the sacks and how they kind of coach it up because of the way uh, they they work things at practice. No, um, no, just seen it a lot, and we understand it all. We know a lot of those are sacks, um, but that that just. We still like to get the rep and things like that. So it's how they move, how they avoid it, whether they just sit there and take it, whether they react, all that stuff counts. And that's stuff that we got a very good feel about. And it's something that you can't always get a feel on the field about, just watching with your eye. Um, that's why we have so many different angles, and that's what we do the rest of the day. So what they take from it is the way that he moves in the pocket, the way he escapes pressure, right? Everything is an opportunity to coach. Uh, you're getting pressure from your backside. Are you able to feel it? Are you able to step up in the pocket if that's available? Are you able to step up and then go outside the way Trey Lance did in the game and then get the ball out to uh, the wide receiver? I, I think it's one of those things that's nice to see how these guys adjust, but it just shows a consistent coaching method that each uh, coaching staff has. And this is Kyle Shanahan's method. He knows that 49ers defensive line is going to make plays. It's just that simple. The defensive line is fantastic. They're going to consistently put pressure. You normally don't have Trent Williams playing left tackle. You have Jalen Moore. You have Leroy Watson. You have Il Manning. Those guys are going to have some negative reps, and that's okay because those are good learning experiences for running backs helping in protection, for tight ends that have to give help in those types of situations, and for quarterbacks that either need to recognize their hot read and get rid of the football or need to find a way to move inside the pocket and then eventually escape and be able to keep his eyes down the field and throw. So you don't want constant clean pockets if you're a quarterback uh, to get the work and if you're a coach because you want them to get the work. As long as those guys don't impede the process of the play as far as defensive linemen or offensive linemen, you let it go ahead and finish out. Everyone gets their work, but that's also why you get some of these funky interceptions because Brock Birdie, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold are escaping the pocket. They might see a receiver down the field and try to make a throw they wouldn't normally throw as they're up against the clock about getting rid of the football. So I think it's, it's an interesting, it kind of skews numbers, uh, but it gives you a clear picture and idea about how the 49ers are processing the evaluation of quarterbacks, their escapability, how they're keeping their eyes downfield, and how they still consistently want these guys to let it rip, even if they make mistakes. Now, what you're trying to prevent is them to, from continually making the same mistake. Uh, you want to build from that. So you make a mistake one day, the next day you're looking to not do that, and then you stack on that. That's why mistakes aren't a bad thing. Repetition of mistakes is a bad thing. So I thought it was some really cool stuff we got from Kyle Shanahan as far as the quarterbacks go. I thought it was very important to kind of talk about, you know, the evaluation, some of the things they do at practice, especially, you know, with the lack of context a lot of times from the numbers that we get. The numbers are good. You know, it's good to see, you know, the things that these quarterbacks are doing at practice. Uh, but I think understanding the coaching points puts all that in perspective and kind of gives you a different idea of how they're evaluating quarterbacks and overall how they're coaching these quarterbacks to be successful within the system for the 49ers and just a successful quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I thought overall that his stuff was really good, and I'm, I'm very proud of the reporters for asking these questions that got us such really good answers. 
But he wasn't done because it came out yesterday that Ray Ray McLeod said, hey, Kyle, don't count me out. I, I could be back for week one potentially. And the thought process had been he was going to have surgery on his wrist. It was eight weeks. That was going to take him into the regular season that he was going to be on the IR. Then all of a sudden, Ray Ray comes out and says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be on the IR. Uh, don't put me. I want to play. And, of course, if he's going to be back week one or two, that's a possibility. Listen to what Kyle Shanahan, first off, says about the back end uh, wide receivers and then what he says about Ray Ray once he's asked about if Ray Ray is going to go on IR. I thought this was very interesting and gave us a clear idea of how the 49ers are envisioning the wide receiver position and how much of who they keep hinges on Ray Ray McLeod's um, being healthy and ready and capable of playing in the first couple weeks of the season. I think it's tight. Um, you know, sometimes we keep five. Usually we have. Sometimes we keep six. Um, you know, especially Ray Ray being hurt kind of opens some things up. Um, so it's going to be a tight race. You anticipate that Ray Ray would not go on IR to open the season? It all depends on how long his recovery will be. You know, I, I wouldn't think so with how they've said. Um, so I expect we won't be able to put him on IR, which is a good thing because we hope he can play his, hope week one, but we'll see how fast it is. So, um, but we won't know that for a little bit. So there's a real possibility that Ray Ray McLeod could be back early on in the season with Kyle Shanahan even throwing out there potentially week one. Now, I don't know if that's realistic after this surgery, but then again, I don't know exactly what that bone looked like. I don't know how injured he was, you know, what they think the recovery will be, how fast Ray Ray recovers. I think there's a lot of things that need to go into that. And also what kind of brace he's going to have to wear. Would he be able to catch a football? I think a lot of that's going to be interesting uh, to find out. But I think what it does is it, it makes this, uh, competition for the back end wide receiver, even more difficult to figure out because we have guys that are legit asserting themselves as potential wide receivers, five and six. Now, Danny gray, I believe is sitting at five right now. From what I saw at training camp, he looked absolutely explosive. He's definitely way more in tune with this 49ers offense. He runs good routes. He's the most explosive wide receiver the 49ers have. You get the ball in his hands, it could be a touchdown. That's just how dynamic Danny Gray is. Now, when you're talking about the guys behind him, you have Ronnie Bell that just had a very stunning uh, you know, performance in the preseason game. I thought it was fantastic whether he was catching the football, uh, running the ball on the jet sweep, or handling punt and kickoff returns. I thought he proved to be a very versatile and very talented threat for the 49ers receiving core. So I thought he moved up. And then all the while, I'm thinking, well, with Ray Ray going on IR, there's a real possibility the 49ers could you know, go ahead and, and wave somebody else or release another player and then bring them back. Now I don't know if that's the case. So that puts a player like you know, Chris Conley in danger of not being a part of the San Francisco 49ers roster. Because if you keep Danny Gray, Ray Ray doesn't go on the IR. You don't free up a roster spot. Even keeping a six-wide receiver doesn't uh, secure Chris Conley a job because he has to beat out Ronnie Bell. And Ronnie Bell's a guy that has potentially more upside than Chris Conley. Conley at 30 years old, Ronnie Bell, you know, 23 years old. This is just a complete difference. Now, they are different players. Ronnie Bell's skill set, he's only six foot tall. Uh, he's, he's definitely not as quick as Chris Conley, who's six foot three, runs a 4'3'40". Um, but I think it's a real battle. And then you've got right behind him, Willie Sneed. And Willie Sneed, 
not only is a very secure veteran, knows how to handle the football when it's in his hands, but he also knows how to play when the ball's not in his hands. Fantastic blocker, really good on special teams, can handle return duties. Uh, to me, he's in the mix, and I thought he had a pretty good game in the preseason game as well. Not as many snaps as guys like Bell and another guy that's still in the mix, Tay Martin. But this wide receiver room for the 49ers is absolutely stacked, and they're going to have to figure out you know, how many guys they can keep on the active roster. My guess is what they try to do is keep six with Ray Ray not going on the IR. Potentially, uh, they keep six. Danny Gray and Ronnie Bell being five and six. And then what they try to do is they know they can create a nice relationship. Or they have one already with Willie Sneed, so they could release him. He doesn't go on waivers because how many seasons he's been in the NFL, and you sign him back to your practice squad. Maybe they could talk Chris Conley into doing that as well, and you could have two very solid veterans on your practice squad. But if you do that, then you have to potentially lose others that you might want as young players. You got Isaiah Winstead and you got Tay Martin. And I feel like Tay Martin has definitely grown from year one to year two has showed a lot of improvement, but Isaiah Winstead's another big physical wide receiver who creates separation. Uh, four years have some decisions to make. I wonder what the makeup of their practice squad is going to look like. So they're probably going to lose a couple of very good players from the wide receiver position. It's disappointing, uh, but it just shows how talented they are at the top part of the wide receiver room. So I thought that was interesting overall, the conversation from the belief that Ray Ray McLeod was for sure going to end up going on the IR, probably missing, you know, the first you know set of games and then coming back. Well, now it looks like he might not go on the IR at all because he might be able to help him by at least week two, week three, which would be interesting and good for the 49ers. So another position since we've been talking a little bit about these guys ability on special teams is kicker. We saw Jake Moody. He kicked the 40-yard field goal, and he missed. And then he kicked the 58-yard field goal, and he missed. And Kyle Shanahan is going to give the heads up on what to expect from kickers Jake Moody and Zane Gonzalez in the upcoming preseason matchup versus the Denver Broncos. Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah. Zane's looked too good to not give him a chance. Um, that was the plan last week, too. And we're going to have Moody go on and then um, Zane come in the next. But when he missed that, I wanted to give him another chance. I mean, the plan was pretty clear. You know, the, the plan was to have Jake Moody kick the first one, Zane Gonzalez kick the second one, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, but when Jake Moody missed that 40-yard field goal, Kyle Shanahan felt, hey, let's get him back out there and, and give him an upper, another opportunity. It's too bad Jake Moody wouldn't have made the second one. I think we'd have a different feeling about Jake Moody overall as a fan base. I'm not real concerned about it because I've seen Jake Moody consistently make big-time kicks at practice. But got to remember those are practice uh there's no crowd there's no coach calling timeouts uh there's no players talking to you saying hey don't miss you know talking trash so there's a lot that goes into making kicks in the nfl and i think jake moody is going to be the guy but it's good to showcase zane gonzalez if jake moody wouldn't have missed two i would have probably told uh kyle shane and i would have said hey don't even play jake moody Play Zane Gonzalez and showcase him for the rest of the NFL in case somebody wants to come calling and offer the 49ers a late-round draft pick because that's ultimately what they're trying to do now. After they drafted Jake Moody, they're trying to maximize you know, the potential they have with Zane Gonzalez to flip him and get some money. So uh, Zane's going to come out there. What you're going to see is a very disciplined 
a really good kicker that is going to make some team very happy this year. It probably won't be the 49ers unless Jake Moody goes down over the next few weeks, which I hope doesn't happen because his leg and the ability to potentially kick 65-plus-yard field goals could be the difference between the 49ers you know, getting an extra six to nine points a game. It's really one of those dynamics I'm looking forward to. And plus, just Jake Moody's ability on kickoff to kick guys into the corner and make them potentially fair catch. Uh, if they try to bring it out, it allows the, the team to get down there, the coverage team to get down there and possibly pin these teams back inside the 20. And I think that would be a huge weapon for the 49ers defense. Jake Moody with that 4.3 hang time, maybe even a little bit more on occasion. I think that's a huge advantage for the 49ers. It's something they've been missing over the last several years with Robbie Gold and Mish Wisnowski handling the kickoff duties uh, depending on the season. So it's very interesting, uh, but I do think it's going to be Moody. But I'm rooting for Zane Gonzalez. I think he's a good guy. He's a good kicker, and he deserves to be on an NFL roster this season, whether the 49ers are able to flip him you know, for a pick or if they just have to end up uh, releasing him and letting him land somewhere. I hope he lands uh, somewhere where he can he can make an impact hopefully in the AFC away from the 49ers where he can't beat us. So don't land in the NFC West where uh, almost all the teams uh, besides the Seahawks have guys uh, that don't have a lot of experience um, at mainly a long snapper and punter, but uh, there's a couple kickers as well. So Kyle Shanahan was asked by Larry Kruger if he starts you know, game planning for Pittsburgh, if he's even had a time to take a look at him. And I think now that we're starting to get you know kind of in the middle of the preseason, I think this is something that's interesting. You know, how long do the 49ers start to kind of gather information, look at film, and get prepared for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, for the Los Angeles Rams, who I'm sure Kyle Shanahan's not too concerned for getting prepared with because he knows Sean McVay so well. He understands his system, and he knows the personnel pretty good playing against them from year to year. But let's know what Kyle Shanahan said to Larry Kruger about that question. Uh, always work on it, and that's stuff you do when you're bored in the summer. We jump ahead to teams ahead, and we... But there's nothing that I ever really put on paper and give to guys that is set in stone because um, I've had people make us do that in the past. And you do it all and you get to set in stone and you work on stuff and you feel totally different the week you get there and you watch them on Tuesday. Uh, you don't know your team that week. You don't know their team that week. Um, so you, you get an idea of fronts and coverages and things like that so you can mix it into your practices, things you'll run versus it so you don't just get too obsessed with going against um, the 49ers defense. That's what we like about scrimmaging other teams if we can. Um, so we always sprinkle it in, but it's never it's never that big of a deal, but it's in the back of our mind as coaches. Yeah, I mean, so you take a look at it, right? You get to know who their defensive coordinator is, offensive coordinator, and you're looking at coverages, you know, what kind of fronts they run. And then he talked about sprinkling that in a little bit. So you're not just preparing for the 49ers defense in training camp, but starting to sprinkle in some of the concepts of the teams that you're going to see early on in the season. I think that's a great way to go about it. It also gives your offense some looks as they have to adjust. Uh, you know, it's, you're not just seeing the 49ers 4-3 wide nine or the way the 49ers run you know, their, their defensive uh, nickel packages, what they call it, Buffalo, that, that with the big nickel. So it's a little bit different from team to team that you play. And a lot of times when you're talking about the Steelers, you're talking about a 3-4 defense. So adjusting to a 3-4 is definitely different. 
But if you can adjust for the 3-4 uh, that you see in Pittsburgh as far as the front, it gives you a good idea of what the, the Rams want to do as well. So it is nice playing Steelers-Rams for the mere fact you're going to play that odd front and that 3-4 defense. But I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a good question. And Kyle says, yeah, you know, we, we kind of look at it. Now, we're not putting a game plan together per se because we don't know exactly what the makeup of our team is going to be. We don't know exactly what the makeup of their team is going to be. And it can change. You know, you play in week one against the Steelers. Yeah, you're prepared for them. If you put together a game plan for the Rams before you ever even got there, and all of a sudden Matthew Stafford's injured and Cooper Cup's not playing, he's not back. It's like, wait, why did I put all this on paper? We're going to go with a different game plan. So I thought it was a very good answer from Kyle Shanahan and kind of gives you an idea on his approach. And that's what play calling and scheming is all about. It's about finding what the other team does well and then finding the holes within what they do and how your players can best take advantage of those holes. Uh, that's what makes football so great. Right now during preseason, that's not what's happening. It's complete evaluation of players, seeing how they handle your base offense, your base defense, and how they operate within your system. Once you get to games, then it's all about scheme. It's all about setting up plays. It's all about getting certain matchups. And that's when football gets really fun. But without preseason, you don't pick who those Jimmys and Joes are that you're going to be able to use and who you're going to have to count on. So it's all part of the process. You can't get to week one and be prepared without going through the dog days of summer and training camp. But I thought it was a very good answer, and it, it kind of just continues that conversation. I thought that Kyle Shanahan gave us a lot of information in his presser. It was exciting to be able to go through and just talk about what Kyle Shanahan does and, and, what's he's, and what he's about. And I think we got some really good instruction on his coaching points and how he handles these quarterbacks. So uh, Rip It, Scars, and Ray Ray is the episode. Thank you guys so much for joining me on 49ers Cutback on Believe. Once again, like, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And if you're listening on an audio platform, give me a five-star rating. I really appreciate that. Of course, if you want to check, you can check the description section. It has a link to all of my socials, you can go check those out as well. There's going to be lots more content coming your way, including an announcement pretty soon about the PSF app. So I'm really excited about everything that's coming your way soon. 49 season is around the corner, and Saturday just can't get here quick enough. But until the next one, stay safe. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers way. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.